For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. going on everybody welcome back to another episode of Merv's Boston Sports Talk episode big five oh we have made it to 50 absolutely unbelievable journey truthfully never thought I'd be here to be honest 50 episodes in obviously I dreamed of it I envisioned it all the way back from implementing and planning this podcast to actually be here at 50 Half a century, half of a hundred. Totally awesome. Totally cool. And honestly, if it wasn't for you, you listening right now, this wouldn't have happened. This wouldn't be possible. And I'm super thankful. I'm super grateful and appreciative of your support, your uh, just awesomeness. All right. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to fluff it up. Just thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying as I've been harping, preaching, and raving literally from episode one all the way up to 50 I couldn't have been couldn't have imagined myself being here and it's been an absolute blessing to see this podcast actually have some form of success never thought about it honestly just wanted to start it out as a hobby as a segue into Murph's car town and sports shop which will be the sports card and sports memorabilia shop that I will have or I plan on opening up after I get married to the podcast favorite, the YouTube channel favorite, Kim, after I get back from uh, basic training in tech school, after we get married, I plan on opening it up. Still in the early stages of that implementation, but this podcast was just supposed to be a hobby and a segue into that shop. Honestly, it has been a tremendous ride. It's been fantastic. And honestly, I'm loving this. I'm really loving this and just the support, the feedback that I'm getting from you, the listener has been so overwhelming and awesome that it just fuels me to keep going. You know, I know I missed last week because of a <clears throat> sore throat, but uh, I was kind of bummed that I wasn't able to do it. Yeah, it felt so weird not recording on Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. But now that I'm back on the grind, back on the schedule, it feels good to be back and it feels good to be delivering what I made a promise to you with monday wednesday and friday episodes so thank you so much for 50 awesome episodes of merv's boston sports talk hopefully this is going to be a banger as they all are hopefully you can listen and enjoy after downloading but with all the pleasantries all the kind words and all the appreciation out of the way we do have some stuff to talk about we do have a couple things um, there's two stories I kind of want to cover that I saw when I was scrolling through the ye old Facebook. And, you know, I was just kind of, you know, flicking my finger up and just, you know, kind of seeing what's out there. 
came across a cool story, read into it, came across another one, read into it, and I kind of want to share that with you, and then also we'll get into some Bruins playoff preview chatter as they square off against the Washington Capitals tomorrow, Saturday, and it's going to be awesome to finally get the playoffs underway after a long, shortened season. But we got some Bruins playoff hockey ahead of us. So, But first, I do want to talk about those two stories, and they're both about the Red Sox. And with this story, I did say it's about the Red Sox, and it is. But maybe not your Boston Red Sox, your Worcester Red Sox. Yes, the Woo Sox. And it's an article from MassLive.com about the Worcester Red Sox as they open up uh, Polar Park on May 11, 2021. For opening day their first game of the season and they had a bunch of players um old players uh pedro louis tiante to name a couple to throw out the first ceremonial first pitch along with governor baker and the lieutenant governor but this article is about pedro because he was there and how he his journey with the red sox actually started in worcester so i'll kind of go over the article read you some quotes and it was very interesting this is something i did not know and I love Pedro. I think I'm a big. I think I consider myself a big fan of Pedro. But something like this is something I did not know about him. So let me get into it, and maybe you'll learn a thing or two about uh, Petey, right? Petey. Anyways, uh, the title of the article says Worcester has a history with me. Pedro Martinez's journey to becoming a Red Sox legend began not far from Polar Park. Polar Park is the home of the Woo Sox. All right, so this article is by Michael Bonner at MassLive.com, and it states, Before Pedro Martinez sparked ruckus reactions to his dazzling array of pitches at Fenway Park, prior to the 1999 All-Star Game in Boston and the 2004 World Series in St. Louis, even a decade before he walked into the Baseball Hall of Fame, Cooperstown, the pitcher began his stay in the Northeast in Worcester. In the fall of 1997, when the Boston Red Sox traded for Martinez, his first stop in Massachusetts was Worcester. Now, real quick side note, a lot of people not from the area say Worcester. And just a side note, just for some clarification, it's actually Worcester. Same thing with um, actually the opposite of Dorchester, but there's an actual H in there to split it up from to differentiate it from Dorchester. So there's an H in Dorchester and not Dorster, right? <laughs> and there's no H in Worcester, so it's not Worcester. Just a, a random thing. Like people in or Oregon say Oregon, but out here we'll say Oregon because that's what it looks like. I don't know. Anyways, <clears throat> I digress. Quote, before I even got to Fenway, I came to the city, Martinez said. I remember I came in at night at about 930. I was lucky enough to have a cousin who lives in Providence. Hey, shout out Providence one time. They brought me a little jacket because it was really cold, end quote. The right-hander spent his first night in his new state in the heart of the Commonwealth to undergo a physical at UMass Memorial Healthcare. When he ventured outside, Martinez said he remembered the trees in the city that were still turning bright yellow, orange, and red. Quote, I remember the trees and how they changed colors, Martinez said. It was beautiful, end quote. About 25 years later, Martinez returned to Worcester on opening day for the Worcester Red Sox at Polar Park. Woo Sox chairperson Larry Lucchino invited Martinez to participate in the pregame ceremonies at Polar Park, and the Hall of Famer immediately accepted. He was joined Tuesday by Red Sox Legends Hall of Famer Jim Rice 
Jim Longborg, and Luis Tiante. Quote, it was, a gr- it was great. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was great. <laughs> they didn't expect me to know Worcester, Martinez said. To their surprise, I was more familiar with Worcester than I was probably anywhere else. End quote. Martinez stopped in Worcester a few years ago when the team celebrated the announcement that the organization would be moving to Worcester from Pawtucket. At the time, he met Worcester Mayor Joseph Petty. The two crossed paths again on Tuesday, and the former Red Sox ace quickly embraced Petty. Quote, He's such a nice guy, Petty said. He said, I'll never forget Worcester. End quote. Petty joined Martinez on the field to throw one of the several first pitches along with Rice, former Red Sox players Tiante Longborg, and Rich Gedman, Governor Charlie Baker, and Lieutenant Governor Karen Polito. As Martinez embraced everyone surrounding the pitcher's mound, including the Worcester City Council and City Manager Edward Augustus Jr., he told the mayor, quote, Your city is great. As Martinez walked out of the tunnel onto the field, the crowd at 25% capacity due to COVID regulations greeted him with a loud as an ovation as any player. Fans could be heard from this, their seats exclaiming, quote, Oh my God, it's Pedro, end quote. Worcester's newest item impressed the pitcher who towed the mounds in dozens of ballparks throughout his career. Martinez described Polar Park as a, quote, big league ballpark, end quote, and one the Red Sox are fortunate to have in its farm system. Just a side note, I've seen images of Polar Park and it doesn't really look like a big league stadium. I mean, it looks just like any other minor league stadium where you have like the seats behind the plate and like in foul territory. But when you get out to like the outfield, it's just like lawn seats and all that good stuff. I'm enjoying a refreshing drink from Dunkin' Donuts, which I'll get into in a moment, but let me just enjoy this sip. And no, not an advertisement. I'm not selling out. It's just really good. Okay. For the eight-time All-Star and three-time Cy Young Award winner, the return to Worcester also sparked memories of where it all began more than two decades ago with the Red Sox. Quote, Worcester has a history with me, Martinez said. It is amazing. It is quite impressive to know how the world goes around. This is the first town I visited after I finished my career, a Boston Red Sox Hall of Famer. I land back here, end quote. So that is the article about Pedro Martinez returning to Worcester as Polar Park is officially open and it's first game for the brand new season in 2021 for the Worcester Red Sox. Still salty that the Pawtucket Red Sox moved to Worcester, but it is what it is. That's a story for another day. But this is something I completely didn't know about Pedro Martinez, and it's actually really interesting to kind of learn about, like, hey, this stud of a pitcher who came to us in 97 first came here, and then crazy things happen, right? I mean, he becomes a, you know, was, you know, a stud for us in our rotation. He, you know, won the World Series with us. We've endured heartbreaks with him. But it all started here in Worcester, and it's crazy. I mean, obviously, Worcester was not the reason or Pedro wasn't the reason why the you know the Pawtucket Red Sox moved to Worcester, but just how you know, you know, as Martinez said, you know, kind of comes full circle. That's that's really interesting. Something I did not know, and maybe you did or did not know. But this is definitely a, a great article to just learn a little bit of history about a Red Sox Hall of Famer, a you know MLB Hall of Famer, and obviously Pedro is very humble to you know gone through his life and just you know kind of find his way back to where he started with the Red Sox organization. Now, as that may not be a story you're too familiar with, but 
A story that you may be familiar with is the one of Doug Mirabelli, the former Red Sox catcher known for catching Wakefield's knuckleball. Y'all remember when he was on the team in like 2004 and 2005, but then we like, you know, traded him to San Diego to for like Josh Bard, I believe. And then literally like a couple months later, we're like, no, 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 no. We need him because Bard sucks. We need Doug Mirabelli back, right? So... We all remember Doug Mirabelli coming, you know, flying in from Logan, getting a police escort to the Fenway Park to, you know, start the game because Wakefield was on the mound that day. And it was just absolutely bizarre. Something that, you know, we'll never, never forget. But in case you don't know that story, this was the second article that I came upon. And I do kind of want to talk about it because May 1st, 2006 is when this happened. And obviously this article is a little older. It's obviously a couple weeks old, but, you know, I just came across it and I want to talk about it because I don't know about you, but I was watching that live, you know, the cameras all on Doug Mirabelli getting out of the police car in his Red Sox uniform. It's like, oh my goodness, this dude's literally going to be behind the plate in 30 seconds. (laughs) So I do kind of want to talk about this article that was published on May 1st, 2019. So it's a couple years old, but the story stays the same. So who's this article by? This article is by, where's his name? Do we have an author? Scrolling for an author. Not seeing one. Want to give some credit where it's due. And I'm not seeing an author here. Well, it's it's from NBCSports.com. There's no author for this article, but just know I'm trying to give credit to it. I just, you know, either blind or just can't find it. All right. <clears throat> it starts with by saying, If you thought the Boston Red Sox current catcher situation isn't great this season, We'll have a story for you. Obviously, keep in mind, this is from 2019. Let's rewind to May 1st, 2006, exactly 13 years ago, now 15, Wednesday. After a five-year stint in Boston, catcher Doug Mirabelli had left to join the San Diego Padres. But the Red Sox had a problem. Tim Wakefield was on the mound that night, and their replacement for Mirabelli, Josh Bard, couldn't catch his baffling knuckleball. Obviously, we kind of brought him in, hoping and thinking that he could just didn't really pan out. Uh, throwback though, Josh Bard. <clears throat> Anyways, so then general manager Theo Epstein took action, swinging a trade to bring Wakefield's former personal catcher back to Boston. The deal went through around 10 a.m. Eastern on May 1st, just nine hours before the Red Sox game with the New York Yankees. But the Sox really wanted Mirabelli to catch Wakefield, so they immediately got him on a cross-country flight out of San Diego. As Mirabelli recalled in... The hardball times terrific oral history of that day. His plane landed in Boston just 12 minutes before game time after the pilot was able to clear airspace on the flight path. Seriously. The only way to get him from Logan Airport to Fenway Park that quickly? That's right, a police escort. And then there's a tweet of uh, the video of Mirabelli pulling up, and I'll just read what the tweet says. May 1st, 2006, Doug Mirabelli gets a police escort to at Fenway Park to catch Tim Wakefield versus the Yankees after the hashtag Red Sox reacquire him from the Padres. His plane landed in Boston at 6.48 p.m. and he changed in the car. Hashtag WBZ camera was there. And it was just a video of him, you know, getting out of the police, like what I said, getting out of the police car, you know, running into the stadium, literally mere minutes and seconds before first pitch. Mirabelli actually changed, carrying on with the article, Mirabelli actually changed in the car while Massachusetts state troopers cleared the way, setting up a hilarious scene in which the journeyman catcher 
triumphantly emerged from a cop car outside Fenway in full uniform ready to catch Wakefield. All of that ridiculous effort paid off as Wakefield pitched seven strong innings with Mirabelli back behind the dish in Boston's 7-3 win over the rival Yankees. Not that the state police would do it again, of course. As a public safety agency that was not an appropriate use of our assets, a spokesperson told the Hardball Times. So obviously that was a quote. And then the article ends with, we'd respectfully disagree. Now, obviously, a regular or, you know, a citizen of the area that's not familiar or could care less about baseball would probably agree with that claim that it was an inappropriate use of their asset. But here in New England, if you're a Red Sox fan, A, it's funny, and B, yeah, get that guy to Fenway Park, ASAP, right? I mean, listen, we got a game against the Yankees, the arch-rival Yankees. We need every advantage we possibly can get. And if that's a police escort for Wakefield's personal knuckleball catcher, then hell, you know what? I'll be driving that escort too, right next to you. That's my uh, my drink. I'm almost done with it. Again, I'll go into it in a minute, but I want to finish talking about this. But yeah, I, I remember it was crazy. Like It was a bizarre headline all in baseball, literally, not just here and, you know, locally in Boston. Something I'll never forget, and just so funny to look back at it because literally, we were all hoping that Josh Bard could catch. You know, a young catcher replaced um, Mir Belly, potentially replaced Veritek as he was getting up there, and he was a good hitter, or was a good hitter, right? He just didn't pan out. Spring training, he sucked. He couldn't catch the knuckleball. It was a disaster, and obviously Jason Veritek couldn't catch the knuckleball. We've seen that plenty of times. You know, if you look at 2003 um, ALCS against the Yankees as a prime example, the 2004 ALCS is a prime example as well. It's just he couldn't catch the knuckleball, and the knuckleball is a mysterious pitch that not a lot of people can catch. And if you're playing catch and someone throws you a good knuckleball, eight out of ten times you might not catch that, right? It's and just picture a professional pitcher in Tim Wakefield who made a career off the knuckleball, you know, in a game throwing it. It's tough, and Mirabelli was one of few catchers to be able to do so. And that's why the importance of him getting to Fenway to play against the Yankees was crucial because you don't want to start the game with, like, Veritek behind the plate and then have to sub him out, put Mirabelli in, or have Veritek struggle behind the plate and then, you know, give up some runs for whatever reason, right? So having Mirabelli back in town was more than crucial and important for the Red Sox at that time even though it was an early season game against the Yankees but it's against the Yankees right if it wasn't against them would they have done it still probably <laughs> let's just be honest they probably still would but it's so funny to look back on back on excuse me um yeah this Dunkin Donuts drink that I'd be talking about this coconut milk refresher uh, like I said, I'm not trying to sell out not sponsored not being paid to say this it's just good. It's just delicious. I want to talk about it. They have three different flavors. It's like three bucks and it's like a medium. It's just super damn good. And like I love coconut water. Don't know about coconut milk. Completely different, but I love almond milk, right? And I was like, all right, you know, let me try some coconut milk. You know, delicious, dude. It is. I understand why people are addicted to coffee and this doesn't have any caffeine in it, but I'm addicted to this with no caffeine. Wow, is it so good. It's so good. Like I said, three different flavors, like strawberry, peach, and like blueberry. Oh my God, it's so good. And I'm just finishing it up now, and I'm a little sad about it. A little sad. 
But yes, next time you're in the area or, or Duncan's in your area or you're at Duncan, get a coconut milk refresher. I'm telling you, you will not regret it. You will not regret it. But that's my little 30 second, you know, unsponsored, unpaid ad about Dunkin' Donuts, me selling them out. <sighs> All right. Well, let's see. Ooh, 20 minutes or so into this episode. This is flying by. I thought I would take longer on the stories, but okay. Bruins time, baby. I know this is probably what you care more about, you know, anything than just me talking about Dunkin' Donuts and some old, you know, Red Sox stories, but. It's always good to reflect on. I mean, Red Sox are playing all year round. You can only talk about them so many times. Refuse to talk about the Celtics. My God, don't get me started on it. Uh, Knicks, um, speaking of basketball, the Knicks secured a spot in the playoffs for the first time since 2013. Uh, Obviously not a Knicks fan. My friend Evan is, who's been on the the pod a couple times. Shout out Nick. Shout out Evan one time. But yeah, Celtics going to be playing in that playing game. You bums. But anyways, Boston Bruins. Huge series against the Capitals. Holy smokes, what a series against Capitals coming up. First game tomorrow, Saturday, 7-15 puck drop in the nation's capital. Games 1 and 2 in the nation capital. Um, Game 2 being Monday, May 17th at 7.30. Game 3 and 4 will be in Boston with Game 3 on Wednesday, May 19th at 6.30. Game 4, Friday the 21st, also at 6.30. Game 5 will be back in D.C. Uh, The time is to be be determined, but the game will be on Sunday the 23rd. Game 6, back in Boston on Tuesday the 25th. And then Game 7 will be Thursday, May 26th, 7th, excuse me, time to be determined. Obviously, game five, six, and seven are all if necessary. We'll just hopefully game five, six, and seven won't be necessary in favor of your black and gold spoked bees, right? But you know, anything can happen in the playoffs, not just between the uh, Bruins and the Capitals. You look across the NHL, and literally anything could happen in any series, whether it's the Bruins or the Capitals, or if it's the Islanders versus the um, the Penguins. Islanders could sweep. Capitals, Bruins, it, it literally, I, I just love hockey because unlike basketball, the home team usually wins, right? Baseball, unless it's that one game wild card, anything, I mean, well, actually, with that one game wild card, anything could happen. But in a best of seven or best of five series in baseball, you know, you'd probably favor the home team. And same thing with football. Football, you know, home team is very heavily favored. But that's just also a, you know, one game winner takes all. But in hockey, but in hockey, in the regular season, I would probably say that the home team is favored a little bit, but it is not like basketball where the home team is so heavily favored out there. The away team actually has a great chance, whether the underdog or the favorites, the the higher seed or the lower seed, to actually win. And I think these two teams, although the Bruins are the lower seed, are very, very even. I mean, obviously, if you look at the standings, uh, four points only separated them. Literally only two wins. Both teams are going into this series super hot. Uh, Capitals six two and one in their last ten on a two game winning streak. Bruins six three and one in the last ten on a one game losing streak. Obviously that la- that loss was to the Capitals in a virtually meaningless hockey game. Big difference between the two teams is the goals for and the goals uh, goals against. Capitals have scored more. They've also surrendered more. Bruins have. Uh, scored less and given up less the differential 
is similar. Uh, goal differential for the Bruins is 32. Goal differential for the Capitals is 28. Like I said, points is only a four-point uh, four difference in terms of the standings. A lot to look forward to in this game. You know, very, I would say, relatively even teams. Obviously got a lot of action playing each other this year. And I think Zidane Chara might have a little something to, uh, you know, stick it with the Bruins. Obviously, Zidane Chara is not the main, you know, focus player or the main guy on that team. But like, hey, you guys got rid of me because you thought I was too old or you thought, you know, I couldn't, you know, be the leader that you need me to. Didn't want to pay me. Well, this team does and do. So I'm going to go out there and do it, right? And I'm going to stick it to you. So you can't let that happen. You don't want that to happen. But obviously, Chara playing against his former team, that's a storyline in itself. But let's just talk about some other storylines as we look into the series. The Washington Capitals and the Boston Bruins will meet in the first round of the 2021 NHL playoffs, like I mentioned. It'll be their fourth all-time playoff series. Only four times they've played together. Intriguing. Really quick, do you know the other three times? Because I didn't know this before, you know, just kind of looking it up. The other three series, Capital won, uh, the Capitals won two first-round series quarterfinals in 98 and 2012. The Bruins won one the 1990 Conference Finals. Just a little fun fact right there. So the Capitals are 2-1 and one against your Bruins in playoff series. So fourth time, hopefully the Bruins can kind of even that out. But what do we think will happen this series? Game one's on Saturday. What do we think will happen? Obviously, being Boston Bruin fans, we want the Bruins to win, obviously. Convincingly, it would be nice. But is that going to be, you know, likely? Do, you know, nationally people think the Bruins have a chance? I'd say they probably think we have a chance, but... <sighs> Capitals are good. Capitals have been at top of that, you know, the East Division for a long time. It was like, it was the Bruins to start, then it was the Capitals, then the Islanders took over, then the Capitals, and then like the Penguins out of nowhere just shot up and won the division. It's, it's going to be close. It really will be close. I think nationally the Capitals are favored in this series. But like I mentioned with the, the statistics and the standings and just kind of, you know, spitting at you, this game, this series is going to be a lot closer than we think. Now, obviously, without being biased, I do think the Bruins can win. I think they will win, but a lot's going to have to go right for them. It's not going to be easy. They're not playing no, like, you know, eight-seed underdog, whatever. There's no team that just squeaked in by the skin of their teeth. A lot of things are going to have to go right for the Bruins. They're going to have to obviously play very well five-on-five hockey, which they've done majority of the season. They're going to have to take advantage of special teams. They're... Offensive uh, power play has been streaky to be nice. Their penalty kill has been phenomenal, and it's going to have to continue to be phenomenal if they want to have any success in this first-round series. And their defense, which has been kind of a problem all year round until like the trade deadline and then it improved, but it still had its ups and downs, right? So all three phases of the game. Oh, and then goaltending. I can't forget about goaltending. Rask, man. It's going to be all Rask all the way, and Swayman more than likely will be the backup to him. Could we see Swayman if things kind of get ugly, you know, first two games be down 2-0? Could we see a change in goaltender where Swayman gets to start at home? I could absolutely see that. 
obviously, you know, Tuka Rask opted out at the um, the beginning of the playoffs last year due to COVID. And then Yaroslav Halak, you know, was in and he had a couple nice moments, but we saw what that looked like. We saw what that looked like. I'm trying to get every damn last drop I could about I can about that drink. Holy smokes. But all four phases are going to have to be executed virtually perfect because that Capitals team on the other side is just as dangerous, just as good, just as strong, just as talented, maybe even more in all of those categories. I'd probably give you the goaltending edge if Tuka Rask plays like Tuka Rask knows how to play. Like if we can get that same Tuka that we got in the 2019 playoffs where they made it to the Cup Finals, the Stanley Cup Finals, obviously we don't want that Game 7 show, but I think the Bruins can win this series. I really do. I think they finally have that second line figured out, which has been elusive to them for years. They finally have Krejci, two good or at least solid wingers. Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, they've played all very well this year. Third line's been okay, and that fourth line's been underperforming. But, you know, I feel like come playoffs, when things get really intense, when you're playing a team for, you know, up to seven potential games in a row, that fourth line could be huge, that aggressive, that hard nose, you know, take a hit, give a hit kind of line. I think it's going to be crucial for us. And if that fourth line can play like the fourth line knows how to play and be that, you know, that rough and rowdy, you know, front pair, then I think we can kind of get under the capital skin. And then looking over at the defensive side of things, the defense has really improved. I mean, it started off the season, you know, young with some question marks, knows the Dano Chara. Are we going to be okay with the young guys to, okay, we're not doing too bad. And then things got really ugly when injuries started to pile up. And now it's looking really solid. People are getting healthy. The defense is, you know, really shutting down opposing offenses. The Bruins look like a complete team. And obviously, if it was normal circumstances, they might have, you know, a good first series win against some bum team, but they're playing against the Capitals, who are no bum team. So it, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. And honestly, this series could be decided in the first two games either way. So if the Capitals go up 2 nothing, could be a wrap. If the Bruins go up to nothing, I think it's less likely less likely that the Capitals just fold. But it could be a wrap, especially, you know, coming back to Boston with a two nothing lead. Hoo wee. And then just to kind of bring the conversation full circle, what about Rask? If he plays like he knows how to, and you know, at the top of Rask's game, he's a top three goalie in this league. Obviously, when his head is in his ass and he's, you know, vomiting all over himself, he's a the worst goalie in the league, bottom three goalie. It's what kind of version of Rask are we going to get? I think the offense will be okay. I think I think the offense will be fine. I think the defense will be okay. And then Rask is just going to be a huge question mark. Like I said, if the series kind of gets out of hand, you know, we're down two nothing. Do we go to Swayman? If it's three one, do we go to Swayman? Who knows? Who knows? Will we see Swayman at all? I think we. I hope we don't meaning that Rask is having some success. But in a first-round matchup against such a powerhouse team that a lot of people had picked to win the Stanley Cup, being the Washington Capitals at the beginning of the year, oh my goodness, it's a tough challenge in the first round, and it's going to be a really good series. Just, you know, looking outside of, you know, Boston being your team, just, you know, hockey series. 
might be one of the most interesting series that we have in the playoffs this year for the Stanley Cup uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Looking across the rest of the league, just kind of brushing over the matchup. I'm not going to get too much into it. Uh, if you look at the Central Division, you have the Carolina Hurricanes versus the Nashville Predators. And then you have the Florida Panthers versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, a little matchup of the Florida teams there. Real quick on the Carolina Hurricanes. If you haven't already, go check out my uh, Hartford Whalers History of Old New England Teams on YouTube. I published it about a week ago now. Super awesome, cool video that I made about the Hartford Whalers, who are obviously now the Carolina Hurricanes. But it's just a series I'm doing on YouTube where I kind of look back into history at old, former, professional New England teams that no longer exist and just kind of talking about them, doing a little research and just kind of bringing those stories to life, right? Anyways, enough of my YouTube plug. Um, East Division, obviously Penguins, Islanders, Capitals, Bruins. The West Division, you have the Colorado Avalanche versus the St. Louis Blues. Hopefully the Blues get their ass handed to them. One thing about the uh, St. Louis Blues real quick is they are one of two teams, right? One of two. Yes, one of two teams to have a negative goal differential and still be in the playoffs. The other one being the Montreal Canadiens. Thought that was, you know, kind of found that odd. I don't know how normal that is because, you know, a lot of these playoff teams have like a, you know, the Hurricanes have a 43 goal differential. The Penguins have a 40. The Avalanche and the Golden Knights have, you know, over 60. And then, you know, the Maple Leafs at the top of the North Division have 41. So to squeak in with a minus one, I thought that was very odd. Anyways, um, Avalanche Blues, Golden Knights, Minnesota Wild in your West Division, and then the Toronto Maple Leafs playing against the Montreal Canadiens, them being the other team with minus nine gold diff and still make it to the playoffs. They have a total of 59 points, which is, if I look quickly, the lowest point total in to still be admitted to the playoffs. Below them was the Calgary Flames at 51 and the Ottawa Senators at 51 as well. My goodness, 51 point, uh, 59 points and you're still in? Sheesh. And then the other matchup in the North Division or the Canadian Division is the Edmonton Oilers and the Winnipeg Jets. I hope the oh man, I hate the Maple Leafs and I hate the Canadians. I think the Maple Leafs is the better team, so hopefully the Canadians can get it done. Seriously, because the Maple Leafs, oh man, they're so annoying. So aren't the Canadians, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, but the Maple Leafs are the better team and the Canadians aren't. So worst comes to worst, maybe you run into a, a hot team, but a team that's ultimately not as good as you. Just, you know, kind of looking ahead, but that's way down the line. Like I mentioned, Capitals Bruins is what you're looking forward to. Game one, Saturday, tomorrow, 7.15 puck drop in the nation's capital. Completely, completely awesome series game. Can't wait to watch it. Neither can you. What are you going to be doing for the game? Game one, what are you going to be doing for the series? You're going to be chilling at home, going out to a bar. Let me know down below in the comment section what your plans are for game one. Or are you just going to wait for a potential elimination game to do something? Me? I'll just be in my studio watching the game. I don't have cable. I can only stream the games, and that's where I'll be. It's just chilling up here in the studio. <laughs> but seriously, enough of uh, <clears throat> my singing that I'm sure you don't want to hear. Let's talk about the Red Sox. Let's circle back to the Red Sox who are playing at Fenway Park against the Los Angeles Angels, and it's currently 
two to nothing in the top of the fifth. Nick Pavetta is on the mound. No, he's not throwing a no hitter or flirting with a no hitter. He has given up two hits, but still pitching very excellent as he comes first start off the COVID nineteen list. Uh, going up against who is pitching? Um, Griffin Canning of the Angels, and like I said, it is currently two to nothing in the top of the fifth. Um, two runs scored by Hunter Renfro, who homered to center at 430 feet with um, driving in Raphael Devers as well. Let's just look at the standings really quickly. Obviously, Boston Red Sox still in first place, 23-16, and 16, sporting a 590 winning percentage. And though the Yankees were flirting, you know, the top of the division have slid down to the um, third spot, only two games back with the Blue Jays sneaking just in front of them at one and a half games back. But if you look at the whole division, it is all very close still, you know, as we're well into um, a month, you know, month plus into the season now, being a month and a half or so. Red Sox, Blue Jays, like I said, one and a half, Yankees two games, Tampa Bay Rays only three games out, and then the Orioles, although they're 16 and 21, they're only six games out of first place. Tight division so far in the East. I know I mentioned an uh, episode or two ago that, all the divisions in baseball right now, except like the AL Central, I believe, are all fairly close. You know, since the Red Sox are playing the Angels, just briefly, let's look at the Angels and their um, division standings where Oakland is in first with 23-16 and 16 as well. The Astros, who have been very hot recently, are 21-17 with one and a half games back. The uh, Seattle Mariners, four and a half, Texas Rangers, five, and then the Angels are five and a half out. So honestly, my perspective is, if you're roughly seven or so, seven, eight games out, I think you're still in it because, you know, say you go three, four game series, say you sweep it or win, you know, two out of three or, you know, three out of four. Now you just push yourself into a series deficit, I should say, maybe, you know, seven because, you know, say you win three, now you're only four games out or say you sweep the four game series, now you're only three games out and as long as you're under six, seven, eight games, you're still in it. And the Orioles fit that bill. The Angels fit that bill in their respective division as well. So, like I said, all of baseball still relatively close. And that's awesome because I hate seeing teams just kind of give up. You know, they're, they're down, you know, they're under 10, game, 10 games, under 500, 15 games, and then just kind of bag it in for the season just to get a high draft pick. And next thing you know, they lost 110 games. It's like, bro. What's the point? You should be getting delegated to like the minor leagues if you're just going to give up that fast. I understand you you suck and you're probably rebuilding, but like, come on. That's just no fun in that. Um, Since I'm looking at it, I'll just go over the Red Sox lineup, which looks a little wonky-tonky. Michael Chavis leading off at second base. Verdugo in center. Martinez in left. Bogart's fourth cleaning up. Devers the DH today. Christian Vasquez behind the plate. Marwin Gonzalez at third base. Hunter Renfro in right. And then Bobby Dahlback at first base. Some, you know, some mainstays, but a couple little uh, quirks there. Chavis at second and Gonzalez at third. Chavis is a natural third baseman. Obviously, he's been kind of, you know, versatile, or they've kind of made him versatile, being a second baseman, first baseman, left fielder. But it's like, Gonzalez is more of a second baseman than Chavis is, so why wouldn't you put him there and then put Chavis back at his, you know, his comfort position, right? I don't know. Well, I don't get it. And then Devers, the DH, you know, give him a half a rest day, right? But... That is your Red Sox lineup, and hopefully they can get something going, give Pavetta a little bit more run support. He has six strikeouts through five innings, like I've mentioned quite a few times now. But yes, that is today's episode for Merv's Boston Sports Talk. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for just kind of, you know, endeavoring on my couple stories. 
my Bruins playoff outlook, my even little Dunkin' Donuts unsponsored, unpaid ad about their coconut milk refreshers, which is just so damn good. I'm just sipping ice at this point. Like I mentioned, 50 episodes today being the 5-0 Big 5-0 episode, half a century, half a hundred. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying as always. Thank you so much for being on me in this journey. Never thought I'd see 50 episodes when I started out back on episode zero. Episode one, two, would just be like, 50? What? No way. It all started as a fun hobby, little segue <clears throat> into Murph's Car Town and Sports Shop, which will be the shop that I plan on opening after I get back from the military and after Kim and I get married. Something I'm looking forward to, and this podcast has been awesome. This podcast has been awesome, and I'm so glad it's more than just a hobby or a segue. It's actually something I love doing, love investing in, and obviously, from what it seems like, you love it as well, and I cannot be thankful and more appreciative of that. But like I and I already mentioned all that good stuff, and I don't know if you want to hear it again and again, but thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying Thank you so much for your support. And if you could do me a favor, go out and tell someone about the podcast. Just have a small little conversation about the show. You know, I would greatly appreciate that if you were to do such a thing. I can't wait to uh, give you Monday's episode, which will actually be in Buffalo, New York. Kim and I are going on a little road trip next week, but I'm still going to deliver on Murph's Boston Sports Talk episode 51 and 53 will be recorded, produced, and released as promised as usual with i'm definitely looking forward to it because you know i can technically take my setup anywhere and i got my mac i just need to pack my mic and i can record just about anywhere also be on the lookout for the I don't know, buffalo vlog i'll probably split it up into a couple pieces can't wait for that i'll be going to david adams for a card i don't even know what it is card world david adams card world which is the largest card store memorabilia in the uh, in the country, I believe. I don't know about in the world. You know, it's at least the country. I don't know about the world. I think it might be the world too. But definitely be on the lookout for that. I can't wait to do that. That's all going to be on my YouTube channel. And speaking of YouTube, if you're watching or listening to this podcast on the YouTube channel, please leave a link down below. And if you're new to the channel or haven't considered yet, please subscribe to the channel. That'd be greatly appreciated. And don't worry, you audio-only listeners. I did not forget about you. Please, please, please make sure you're downloading, listening, and enjoying over there as I greatly appreciate that. And then also to get in touch with me, reach out to me on social media at Murphs underscore Boston ST. That is the best way to get out to me. And I look forward to your feedback, to your thoughts, your comments, your interaction. I am definitely looking forward to it and I have been enjoying it every step of the way. So everybody, have a great morning, night, evening, afternoon, midday, um whatever time whatever time of day you listen to this episode between now and next episode you know the drill i will catch you in the next one but until then i love you and i will see ya For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.